Manor. Hello and welcome to Tip Manor podcast. I realised actually after the last pod that I said the last pod was our penultimate pod, which showed that I didn't believe that we would be in a position <laughs> where the season is still alive. <laughs> um, you but here we are. You were tricking like fate or whatever. You were like doubling down like it was all a plan. I know, but it's good, isn't it? I, li- I think I just listened back and I was like, ah, oh, I really can't have believed if I was saying that. But, you know, this was going to be our big season review pod where we just um, get upset and talk about near misses and that type of thing. But, you know, here we are. Exciting times. Um, I think it's the same lineup as last time. Connor, are you going to last until the end this time or are you just going to go to bed like you did last week? <laughs> I'm hoping I'll be able to last this time. I'm praying I will. I, I, I want to talk all things Oxford United. You know, it's, it's yeah. not many chances left this season, so I want to be here for the for the full pod. Hopefully, absolutely. As as my have a, dodgy Sky Internet, James, doesn't conk out. What was that? No. Sorry, haven't you got a ticket for the game? I have. Yes, I have. Exciting I am times. Very excited to go back to the stadium. Yeah, really oh. excited for Tuesday. I'm gonna have to live it through you. I'm afraid, but you know. That's all right. Um, so you've got me, James. We've got Connor. We've got John. Hi, John. Evening, James. Or anytime you're listening to this pod, saying evening doesn't yeah. work. No. Ever, but... ever, ever, the, ever the professional. Have you had dinner, John? I have. <laughs> what was oh, it? It's been a long time. Uh, <laughs> the, the fans need to know. Do they need to know? I mean, a little we bit. Need, should we survey this? And I had a spicy bean burger. Oh, okay, vegan. Not not by design to be not designed to be vegan. No, not so ever. Okay, so fair. Nice, all right. Okay, Jack, you okay? Yeah, I'm. I'm all right, thank you. As uh, you just saw, I had to pause before we started because I just won some beer, so that's good. I know. Um, yeah, I believe Why it, might, it might be delivered. It was by a, a company called Fizz Competitions, who um, as an Oxford fan works for them actually. So shout out to Matt Green because I think he might be delivering to me. So. Uh, not the that Matt, Matt Green. Green. No, not no. But it's wow. just the, it is the Matt Green who was banana man at the 2010 playoff final. So as we're 11 years on, that's uh, all links in quite well. There so you go. Rigged. So it was rigged, basically, but to your benefit. <laughs> oh, I, I don't mind. Um, I think on the last pod we were giving our views on um, players of the season and that type of thing, goals of the season. I think me and John went for. Sam Long, who won two awards, didn't he, at the virtual end of seasons award evening? I thought they did that pretty well, by the way. It was quite professional and well done, um, like live phoning in of players and that type of thing. But Sam Long won players' player and fans' player, um, which I think was richly deserved. Who got young player? Was it? It was Jack Stevens, wasn't it? Yeah, Jack Stevens. Yeah. Connor, what do you reckon? Richly deserved from him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know that I was going for Atkinson for player of the season and stuff, but I think I can see why Jack Stevens won young player. I mean, Jack, Jack's been brilliant this season since he's came into the position. He's really made it his own. So fair play to him. And also he's yeah. a local lad as well, which makes it even better. Didn't he come through Reading? Where did Jack Ste- What was his route through to the club? But maybe he is from around the area. I don't actually remember. He's ex-Chelsea. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Am, I, am I completely wrong then? I just completely made that he's up. A, he's, a, he's, a, he's from London. I think he joined our academy mm. off the back of being released by Chelsea when he was like 14 or something. Okay. So, so basically just ignore everything I've just said. Uh, but I think you're right, Connor. It's always worth claiming it. 
yeah. no matter what. You okay know. then, it's happy. it's good that he came through our youth system. There you go. I'll rephrase yeah. it. <laughs> He's one of our own. I guess if yeah. they're through the academy, you can kind of say that a little bit. Do you know what I mean? I think. Yeah, but well, he's. Well, I imagine well, he spent most of his his footballing career at Oxford. So. Yeah. Um, Just blag it. John, I think it's fair to say though that the season, you know, Eastwood was taken out of the team when um, he made that calamitous error for Swindon's second goal at home, Scumden, whatever we want to say. Um, but could you see it playing out how it did? I remember Mr. Kinneborough on the radio thought it was a very interesting move, pulling Stevens in with his lack of experience to come into a, le- a League One side that's meant to be pushing at the top end of the table. No, absolutely not. I think it you could have seen him come in and sort of have four or five solid games and then you might start to see that, oh, his kicking's not that great or, oh, actually lets in a couple, couple that maybe he should have saved. But... He just kind of pressed on and like had those games where he won it for us. And then, you know, he cemented his place. And I don't know, the sort of championship links were were probably bollocks. I don't think he's remotely kind of going anywhere anytime soon. But he's, no, it looks like a hell of a a nice thing to happen to us. Yeah. Um, And Jack, one other thing I was thinking about Stevens is the first few games when he came in, his distribution was the thing that I think a lot of fans noticed and were surprised with. And I can't work out either whether he just chilled out a bit with his dramatic distribution or whether we just got used to it, like the quality of it. Does that make sense or am I... I don't know. Um, I think he's just so different to Eastwood in that sense. He's, he is more of the modern goalkeeper. So um, I think he tries things that are a little bit different. They may or may not come off. And I mean, not to kind of dig him out but obviously we saw one of Northampton's goals away came from him trying to rush a goal kick and slicing it out of play but generally I think his all-round game for the what how many games he played 20 25 yeah it must be something like that towards 30 yeah um he's, he's improved in every kind of part of his game and actually he's still only young he seems very assured for someone who's really only played 25 games in their career yeah yeah, and like the balance of big errors versus, um, you know, the great saves that he's made. Like he's much more towards keeping us in games and winning us points than the other way. Um, and I don't particularly, whilst I, I love Eastwood and he, gave, he was brilliant, he's, you know, it's great he's staying around as well as backup. Um, he's an ultimate professional, but I'm not going to miss his, the times where he's kind of just jogging around um outside of his box <laughs> for 50-50 challenges and that type of thing. Benny Hill um, moments were your exact words about them. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I forgot to mention, actually, Sam Long um, announced himself, didn't he, that he's been getting a lot of banter from the rest of the squad about being number 12 or whatever it is. and But he's now been given that number two shirt for next season and it, you could tell it meant a lot to him. But I thought that was really nice how he got to announce that in a way. Um, but yeah, Rick, Connor, we talked about it a lot last week, didn't we? But richly deserved. Um, again, don't think we'd have seen we would have seen him as being our sure starting right back um, this time last year. Nah, we said it last. I think we said it last week. Well, I think you guys said it before I crashed out of the podcast. That yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's richly deserved. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy for him. Uh, I, I don't know if there's been any updates on the injury front. 
uh, for Tuesday and going yeah, forward. I don't, I don't know, actually. I, I haven't heard anything. But either way, it would be really kind of sad if we did make it into the final and, and Sam couldn't play because, you know, he's such a huge part of our team. He's had a fantastic season and, and ultimately he's a key player. You know, he's he's cemented himself as a key player this season. So um, if he doesn't make it in the next few games, it will be quite sad. But his his injury problems this season have been have been tough. You know, hamstring injuries are you know quite renowned to be tough injuries to get over. So and it seems yeah. like he keeps trying to kind of keep biting him, doesn't it? So hopefully next se- or by next season, we'll have a fully fit Sam Long. Yeah, it seems to be recurrence, doesn't it? The same thing every time. So he probably just needs an extended rest. Yeah. Um, um, but let's see what happens. I think the club hopefully are intentionally quiet because maybe it's going to be a big surprise. They're going to inject him with 20 <laughs> needles and give him a pint of cow pole before <laughs> the Blackpool game. Really ethical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Get on the pitch, Sam. <laughs> Um, I don't think anyone's really complaining too much that Brandon Barker won goal of the season. Um, the only thing, the only complaint I do have is that Jacket was more of an individual goal, wasn't it? And I, I like kind of team goals where there's some build up. Uh, yeah, I, I like the goals where it's involved a few passes, but I think sometimes you just got to take your hat off to the individual bit of skill. And I think, I think in last week's pod, I said that was something far above League One, so. I think it did deserve to win. Yeah. Because um, I'm a Neanderthal, I still look at his goal and think someone should have just cleaned him out as he was going <laughs> heading towards goal. And just, just sort of just sort of seeing what was gonna happen and just kind of just gone just cr- crunched him. But then that shows where um where my mind's at most of the time. No, so. I think most of the crew fans would have said the same thing, wouldn't they, at the time? Just for like end him, you know, the classic <laughs> phrase. Um Yeah. I did actually think um the first goal against Burton was absolutely brilliant play when you looked you, at the full move from the back. I could, literally taking the words off my notepad. I was going to say that for me is one was should have been a late contender because that's those team goals never get voted as goals of the season in any level. But that to me is is a ridiculous goal. Um, yeah. I couldn't agree more. At this level, especially right. Yeah. Like I, when I wa- I watched it back just before we started recording, and I was just I think the. Um, What's the chap's name? Analytics guy, is it Mark? He put yes. it on his um, account and then highlight, just made sure to reference where the move actually builds up from. But there's like some triangle interplay, isn't there? Down by our own box <laughs> in the yeah. corner before we start moving out. Um, yeah, it's an unbelievable goal. Um, just quickly, we, we should have a Let's Laugh at Swindon um, section in our news feed um just just as we start every pod <laughs> what was this thing jack i think you might put it in the notes or john did you whack it in just about something to do with swindon not telling players they were released and yeah it was um a few of their younger players who've played a few games here and there um it appears didn't didn't get called in for their kind of you're out of contract style discussions and found out via um the club tweet saying here's our retained list so they found that their employment was no longer needed by uh, wow. fans telling them on Twitter, basically. So all all very professional at Swindon as always. And, and it sounds said, like... So the fans were kicking off a bit about that. And then like, do you remember Paul, Paul Caddis, that like sort of grisly right back that would look like a bit of a mm-hmm. bit of a whatever. And um, he's been he's been released or he's leaving. And he decides to tweet, 
whatever comes, I'll always hate Oxford or words to that effect. And it was just like, <laughs> moron. Like, it was just so like designed to kind of get like likes and whatever. And it was just like, sort of. Grow up, Paul. Grow up. You trout. Um, well, yeah, that is ridiculous, though. you got to. I know they're Swindon players. You've got to empathize a bit with that. I, I imagine they're all kind of contacting the club individually, being like, um, my name doesn't seem to be on, you know, your tweet. What's going on? Then they're just, it's just going to cause them more pain, isn't it? Um, I think their um, next round of the ownership court case is tomorrow, so they could be looking at administration by the end of the week. So that's for next week. Interesting week's time down there. Yeah, that's next week's laugh, <laughs> laugh at Swindon moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's save that. I, I don't. Obviously, I want the I want Swindon to survive as a club. I just wouldn't mind if they were in like the Isthmian League or something like that. Or what you know, maybe a few leagues below the conference, build back up or something like that. Have to play submarine. What are they called Swindon? It's not Supermarine. Swindon. Supermarine. <laughs> not, not submarine. Uh. Oh God. Yeah, but that you know, maybe that can be their derby for a bit. I could take that. Um, anyway, we've kind of already touched on Burton. So again, we went into this game. And we talked about Burton's form last week. They'd, they'd only lost one in their last nine. They'd had some crazy away record of late, hadn't they? Like something, does anyone remember what it actually was? Had they even lost away this year or was it since February or something like that? I don't remember quite what it was. Yeah, I think it was something like they hadn't lost in 2021 or something similar. Yeah. Um, so we knew no matter what, like a win wasn't going to be easy to come by. It might be that a draw was, you know, a reasonably likely result. Um, but yeah, just unbelievable. We needed to get off to a great start. We've talked about that Shadipo goal. I thought it just came off his shoulder or something, but I th- did actually think it hit his head, but that was an incredible, incredible goal within 10 minutes to get off the mark. And then Jack, you were watching the Accrington game. Obviously they were away at Pompey and you had that on in the background, didn't you? And we were all just, cause we were all on, um, discord, watching along together with all our cameras on, we could see your petrified eyes regularly change <laughs> um, focus and that type of thing. But when they took the lead in the 23rd minute, I think we all just lost the plot. And then you start to think, oh my God, is this actually on? Like We were already 1-0 up at that point. You were just blowing up though, weren't you straight? I think we all just reacted to your reaction. Yeah, it... It's always difficult watching two games at once, especially two that you like need to keep track of because it this could swing either way. Um, but yeah, it was there was every every time Pompey went forward, I was getting nervous. Like you kept making comments like Jack, what's happening? What's happening? How long to go in that game? How long to go in that game? Um, but I think, and we might mention it more. Uh, we need to put a shout out to Accrington's goalkeeper who pulled off two or three cracking saves um, to annoy. The majority of the Pompey team, especially Mr. Ronan Curtis, who then seemed <laughs> went out in Portsmouth last Sunday and got into an altercation with some Portsmouth fans. So he's still a lovely bloke as always. He he seems just not the type you want in your club, no matter what. He even posted something on social media about like loads of clubs are interested in me. It's really nice. Blah blah blah. And then you know, as a fan, you just don't want pit players to. Cam Brannigan was asked that the other day, and he was like, I'm "Not interested. I'm just focusing on Oxford." And you know, I'll maybe I'll think about that when the time comes. But 
that's how you answer that question. What a cretin. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Your your language to describe him was a lot nicer than what I was about to call him, but I'll save that for people's imagination. Yeah. Um, So then we go 2-0 up, and I think we had missed a few chances. Like Elliot Lee had had a decent chance. Sykes had broken through on the left, had a good chance. Um, We're starting to think like, again this was too it was too good to be true in a way like we were just tearing them apart um and i thought burton's intensity throughout the whole game was actually pretty good john like thinking back and i I was listening to eddie anaclet after the game suggesting they were on the beach but i didn't think it felt it didn't feel like that at least but maybe that's just my anxiety and fear in watching the game i thought they notably improved from when we played them away in that they looked a lot fitter and they were a lot more dynamic. But there was still loads of space in midfield for us and we were kind of going through the lines with ease, which we don't often do. And they sort of had that feel of, they had a new manager comes in and says, we're going to play like this and didn't quite have the players to do it. But they did trouble us throughout the game. Like I think the left winger, was it Danny Rowe, possibly? Number 40, was it? Yeah. short guy. Yeah, he looked really good. He was lively all the time. And so they... But they did fall apart quite easily. Um, and like their third goal was absolutely dreadful one to concede. So oh. <laughs> I think it was kind of, yeah, they were their improvement, but they just didn't, they just, I don't think they just had the quality really. To I play was that terrified, way. wasn't I, of their massive striker um, who was just, he looked like he would weigh about 30 stone and just had, I was just like, what weren't they early doors in the game just had they had about 100 throw-ins didn't they and they just kept on chucking the ball <laughs> in the box and I was just looking at some of their big men up top just thinking this is there's no way we're not going to concede a goal because one of these is just going to land at someone's feet eventually it's just odds so it, it's, we seem to get away from that in the second half a little bit but the first half I was still just absolutely terrified I'm sure Pretty well, much all of them. Moran Atkinson stood up to most of it, but it was just far too open generally, and we weren't shutting them down and letting them be open. But it was, um, I think, after the first and second one, when it, you kind of relaxed to a degree, yeah. and, then, and then it was just what's happening with Jack, <laughs> Jack's eyes. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think Connor. I wasn't relaxed until. Uh, I don't know. Like the, <laughs> I just yeah. couldn't believe that it was going to be that smooth. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I didn't relax until literally the whistle went at Portsmouth. I was, I, I was all over the shop. In our game, I relaxed after about I think the second goal because they just made definitely the third, definitely. But yeah, yeah the other yeah. one was different. Yeah, I mean, I stuck the Portsmouth game on the last fifteen minutes of it and had that had that going on my phone while having the the Oxford game on the telly, and yeah, my my heart was all over the place. I was just. Yeah, I was so nervous because you just you just knew that if Pompey would have scored in the last 15, you just would have known they would have gone on and bloody won it. But fair play to Accrington. They've done us a massive favour. And not only have they done us a favour in that particular game, they did us a favour a few weeks before when they drew against Portsmouth. And then when yeah. they beat, um, was it Peterborough? Was it Peterborough? Or Lincoln? No. Who was it? They beat oh, Blackpool, was it? I can't remember. Anyway, I know they did not They did a number over another team as well, didn't they? That was around us. It's, it slipped my yeah. mind now. But yeah, I mean, you know, hats off to Accrington. They've been, they've done us a number of favours this season to help think, us sneak um, in. Yeah, fair play to John Coleman. Um, and it was really, it was, when you think back to his comments before the game, he was saying, 
we've spent a lot of the season in the top six. Like we want to demonstrate live on Sky that we're, you know, we deserve to be up there and we're going to be fighting for it next year as well. I think um, given they absolutely just kind of um, gave us a lesson when they came to our place, I, I thought it was, there was potential for it. But I just, again, I just didn't, I thought there'd be ups and downs um, yeah. similar to like the championship, you know, like the Derby Wednesday game. That, yeah, was, that was all over the shop. Ultimate, that was. Yeah. That was a great <laughs> game football. I watched that. Anxiety watching that game, thinking yeah. about what was going to happen the next day. Um, <laughs> Jack, yeah. when you watching that with a bunch of Derby fans. Yeah, yeah. So my other half's family are all Derby fans. So that was an incredibly topsy-turvy day because um, I was almost like, well, if Derby lose and they get relegated, then it's an easier away day next season if we muck it up. Whereas now... Obviously, we need to go and complete our own job. But yeah, I mean, football is just mental at the best of times. Um, I don't think we could have handled it if that kind of game had played out at the Kassam or at Fratton Park. No, no. I think there would have been a few deaths. Um, <laughs> um, I would have liked Derby uh, away. But actually, no, we might still, play them anyway. We still we could can. Be in the champion. Of course, of course. Keep the faith, James. Come on. <laughs> Um, Jack, who was like standout performances beyond the goals? Like, who did you think made the difference against Burton? I thought Brannigan was brilliant. Um, yeah, I think, and I'm not sure who mentioned this. It's probably another podcast I listened to. Um, said actually the last ten games or so where we've we've dropped Gorin and, and all well he was injured for a little bit but has shown that actually perhaps the anchor of our team doesn't have to be Gorin. So we found almost inadvertently a kind of, a kind of semi-plan B with where Brannigan can play deeper and affect the game in a positive way um, and not put himself on the tightrope of a booking. Um, yeah. It'll be very interesting to see, and I know we'll talk about Blackpool in a minute, what, what, what our approach is um, in these two games. John, do you reckon like... What I noticed about Brannigan's performance was he was recycling the ball. He was coming back, intercepting things, winning the ball. Like I hadn't seen that so much from him in that role as of yet, but it was so noticeable against Burton, especially first half when we were all crapping ourselves. He was just helping <laughs> to reduce my anxiety massively by just dropping back in and then getting, you know, winning the ball, playing simple passes. I just thought he was really growing into that position. Yeah, and that what you've just described there is what the kind of limit the sort of limitations of what a holding midfielder should should be doing, and then he's got that ability to play a slightly more expansive pass. So it's really encouraging him him in that position. Um, Long term, it's still an interesting one, but I always have this thing with Brannigan that sometimes I think he wants to be the player that get, takes the ball off the defence and then he wants to be the player that's then it's then passed to as well. <laughs> so he kind of ends up in a bit of yeah. a confusion. Um, is he that sort of tough tackling, holding midfielder in the long run? I'm not sure, but it's nice to have a plan B that you could exactly take Gorin off and put him there and off you go. Yeah. I think, Connor, like the balance between Brannigan, Sykes and Henry though seems to be, that is the three, isn't it? That's the three that you got to expect we're starting with against Blackpool. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it might be cliche to say it, but I think Cameron Brannigan is just such a phenomenal football player. He's so 
he's so good at this level. Um, he controls the tempo incredibly well. Um, he works very well off the ball. Um, defensively, he's actually, you know, he, he's pretty solid in terms of getting his foot in. Um, you know, he's a very different player to, to what Goran is, but he still plays that role so well. Um, and Henry, he's obviously hit form at the right time. And I think Sykes kind of has as well. You know, Sykes certainly yeah. grows into games. I think I think Sykes is one of those players that on his day, he can really make the difference. Um, whether or not he has those days, you know, enough um, to, to really stand out, perhaps it's a different story. But I think those three are certainly the, the three I'll be looking to uh, into the next, well, certainly the next two games anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Elliot Lee scored a funny free kick that went under the wall. They needed what? What are they calling it? The draft extractor? No, not not draft. I'm saying the wrong thing. What's the Screw you know it. the person that lies down but um like next to the wall to stop someone from kicking it under it? It's not draft extractor. It's draft I honestly, something else. I honestly have no idea. I didn't realize it had been given a technical name. <laughs> no, yeah. it has. It's got nah. it's got a name that people keep referring to. But you, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You can get like a long sausage dog type thing that's heavy that you put underneath your door. Then the draft doesn't come through. They need oh, one next to the wall. Yeah, it is something to do with draft, isn't it? Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. Anyway, if they anyone wants to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, basically, if anyone wants to tweet us to remind us what I was that's referring say, yeah. to, then that'd be really helpful, please. Um alongside my Swindon submarine comment. I'm on a flyer today. Um so that yeah, really that was just a really pathetic goal, but great. And then Connor, we got to see Elliot Lee get his um invisible saxophone out again, which was nice. Yeah. I still don't understand what's going on here. But I, do I don't know? I don't think Ruffles knows how to play the saxophone either. Ruffles doesn't know how to play the saxophone. You've seen, I mean, you seen the, the video, clarinet. video the picture that's been going around. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's very yeah. clarinet. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. I think it's something to do with um, a song that that gets played in the dressing room. I think is what I've heard through the grapevine. Yeah, the, there was a thing in the Oxford Mail, and Elliot Lee basically said, "I put my music on on the coach to an away game, and it was a saxophone playlist. And now we don't stop listening to it, and it's what we play <laughs> all the time in the changing room. So our kind of run to the playoffs has been powered by a saxophone playlist." <laughs> I'm just picturing George like Michael jazz? and Careless Whisper. Yeah. Does yeah. he mean like jazz music? This doesn't I, seem very like sort of adrenaline It's not going to be jazz, is it? Uh, it? Do you reckon they're just all listening to madness? Like, yeah, like that sort of thing. Greatest hits, madness, greatest hits over and over and over again. Connor, just see if you can socially distance, but like creep into the changing rooms and just get a, get a flavour of the music on um, Tuesday, please. That'd yeah, I'll try. I'll try my best. Get your magic oboe. I'll work with magic, yeah. Oboe. yeah. Um, anyway, so 3-0, lovely stuff. And then um, Jack Stevens thought it'd be great to get an assist uh, for Sam Winnell's ridiculous goal. Uh, Jack, did you enjoy enjoy this one? I don't, I think Winnell, you know, he's had his hair cut. He's a new man. He can now score from 35 yards with a, you know, a volley. That's what we want from him. I hadn't even clicked it was a Jack Stevens assist until you mentioned it then, actually. Um, but it's a great, I mean, yeah, it's a great strike. And actually, he has shown that in his career that he can score different types of goals. So he, sc- he scored um, tap-ins quite a lot at Barnsley, but also the kind of goals at Gillingham he scored from the edge of the box with a kind of shot across the keeper. Um, yeah. And then obviously that goal on, on Sunday. So... Yeah, I think it's beneficial to have him firing going into a two-leg game as well because if you if you're chasing it 
in the second leg, you probably want Taylor and Winnell on. It's it's feeling less um, like forced, is it? Isn't it, John? Like Winnell's scored against Crew. He scored against. Uh, he got the first goal back against Gillingham, didn't he? He's you know just scored in this game to Jack's point on a decent run of form, and we used to always kind of even earlier this season critique KR about just chucking endless players on and the shape of the team disappearing but it seems to kind of be working with Winnell when he's coming on yeah I think um I think a lot of it's I think Henry and Lee are kind of really starting to understand where where each other is and that sort of has a lot of impact on where other people come into the yeah the, the mix and there's probably some little things like that that have dropped a bit and Maybe they sort of yeah they sort of they've gelled a bit more and that's that's part of it. But he just looks like he knows exactly what he's doing and we know what he's going to be doing as in the other players know. So that, that maybe it's just something like that. It's just time has got it finally got it to drop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but let's just hope he carries that form into the Blackpool game. And uh, yeah, but just to wrap up the you know finishing the normal season, seventy four points. I don't think any, we probably don't need to talk about it too much. I think we all said in the last pod, if you get to that number, no matter what's happened at the beginning of the season, we've had a good season in general. I think the fact we didn't draw a lot of games um, and it was either kind of wins or losses meant that it was better than it could have been. You know, if you have a lot of draws in there as well and replace some of those wins for draws, then we're obviously much closer towards mid-table type thing. But great season, you know, probably... Where about we're probably, you know, due to finish seventh or eighth on paper, looking at budgets and that type of stuff. And we've obviously snuck in there. I think Jerome said on Radio Oxford, we've spent three days in the playoffs all season, <laughs> in the playoff places. <laughs> and that's mental though, isn't it? Like three days in the playoffs and then just to sneak in at the end. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's nuts really. I, I saw a, a graphic earlier today where, when we drew nil nil at Bloomfield Road, that point took us to twenty first in the league um, after seventeen games, I think it was. So, I didn't expect the turnaround that we've seen. I thought if we got ourselves in the mix, we'd give it a good go. But I didn't expect us to get into the mix. You know, when halfway through the season we were scrambling about aiming for mid table. Really, we were we yeah. were all looking at those kind that kind of fifty point mark and how how far off that are we. Yeah, exactly. John, I put a graphic on our Twitter account um, to look. I'd like picked a game that was like a third of the way through the season or so. So, like after 16 games or something like that. And we were, you know, just a few points. Um, I think even like a couple of points above the relegation zone to then compare it to now is nuts. Like, a th- again, a third of the season, we were still right about there with the relegation scrap. And now we're here. I mean, that 16 losses will, will always stick out as if you compare it to the other teams around us. But we've just been absolutely ruthlessly efficient against teams beneath us, it seems, and then just risen yeah. risen, and kept on risen, risen off the back of it. I think um, what's interesting this season is like every team lost double-digit games apart from Sunderland, who drew absolutely loads. But Sunderland lost nine, but every other team lost more than 10 games, which I think is quite interesting. I think there's been previous seasons where teams have actually just completely run away with it. Um, but yeah, huge. And it was good. It was great to kind of 
in terms of entertainment, finished the season as the third top scorers in the league with 77 goals, only um, bettered by Hull, who got 80, and Peterborough, who got 83. Um, Connor, you back in action, pal? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that sounds all right. Am I back? That's good. Right. Just picking up what you just said there about the goal scoring. That's the thing that, that I think we need to kind of cling on to going into the playoffs against against Blackpool, because I, I mean, I'm going to move on to it in a minute. But yeah. I think it's going to be a really tough, tough two fixtures. This is going to be, isn't it? If you look at, you know, looking at the way that we all, we both ended the season, they ended with four straight wins. We ended with three straight wins. But defensively, they're such a, a solid team, and I think we got to kind of cling on to that hope that as the third highest goal scorers, we we come out firing and we hopefully crack crack them. Um, relatively early because I think it's going to be a really really tough two fixtures oh god I'm just I was literally just looking at the table and the goals against column I'm guessing one of you might have picked up on this already <laughs> oh yeah you have in the yeah. notes they've conceded the least amount of goals in the in the league haven't they yeah they've they've kept 22 clean sheets as well which is oh. just unbelievable that is absolutely that's a, mental that's a that's a mental stat their, their manager is desperately trying to change the narrative that we're the underdogs and Blackpool are the favourites for the playoffs because he's seeing a lot of pundits are saying calling it for Blackpool and he was trying to say versus us well they've been on good form coming into it so have we they score a lot of goals and everyone's gone. Blackpool's record in playoff is playoffs overall is apparently really good. They've won like the majority of playoff finals or games or something like that. And there's a lot on them. They, they're comfortably the favourites. And I'm not just saying that because we're Oxford. Um, all the things look <laughs> look well for them. Yeah, and mm. so they they've won their last four games, um, and they haven't conceded in that time as well. So they beat, beat Sunderland, Northampton. Doncaster and Bristol Rovers. I suppose the Sunderland one's the one that jumps out where they beat them 1-0 away. Um, but Jack, when they we drew 0-0 in a bit of a nothing game at their place, so we could have won right at the end, if I remember correctly, with I think Massinho even, wasn't it, who had a header. Um, but when they played us and beat us 2-0 at our place, they got a couple of goals from set pieces. Uh, but they just looked a really professional out- outfit and we didn't really have a sniff, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was it was two set pieces, two Luke Garbutt um, deliveries, I think, and we didn't deal with the second ball on one, and I think the other was a was it a free header from a corner, maybe. Um, so it's go- yeah. it's going to be interesting because we know Kr doesn't change how he plays, so I think we'll play pretty attacking, um, and they might have to alter how they play a little bit to try and stop us. Um, so yeah. It- I think Connor's hit the nail on the head. It's going to be two tough games. Um, I don't think whatever happens in the first leg is going to go very fast, telling us anything really. Because I think it'll be so tight. Mm, yeah, I wonder how it's going to work with in terms of the you know the home advantage, whether that is a thing or not. Um, I mean, obviously we're going to have four thousand Oxford fans in the stadium, which is going to be huge. And that's why I really hope that we come away with a, at least a positive result in the first leg. Um, I think that's that's something that's really key. You know, if 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 we go into the second leg either ahead or not losing, I think that's that's going to be massive. I think if we if we kind of um, if we lose on on Tuesday night, it's going to be a really really tough ask at their place. Yeah, John, what what difference do you think the fact it's a bit of just a cliche question, isn't it? But Having the fans back, do you think that's just is going to be 
just helping to drive the intensity of our game, which is quite an energetic pressing game. Do you reckon it's going to help us? Do you think like if that two the two nil defeat that we had was just all a bit placid, and maybe having fans in at that you know even in that game would have spurred the players on a bit more? I, I think it it definitely must have something for the adrenaline because I was I think over definitely overthinking this, but we obviously it was brilliant to get into the playoffs. And my mind felt there was a little bit of a, have we just over-celebrated too much just getting into them? And then you saw sort of James Henry saying, come on, come on, boys, you know, next next yeah. step, next step to go. Um, so I think having the fans in there can help to be that sort of sort of focus as well. But I mean, I mean I'm looking back at my notes from that Blackpool home game and it's full of things that scare us because it's a game where I think Jack and Connor are right. They'll probably, Blackpool will come probably keep it tight, be fairly sit, sit fairly on, on it and try and see where it ends up. But, you know, looking back at my notes, it's sort of talking about Blackpool breaking the lines well, pressing us really hard, midfield dominating. We need look like we need a spark to get going. So if they turn up and go, right, we're just going to sit here for a, a bit, see what you guys, see what you do. We've seen it before this season where we don't quite have a sort of front foot approach. We need something to spur us on, like conceding, which won't be a good thing um, yeah they just looked a very good team and they pressed us so you know we need we need to sort of really be it isn't a cliche but get on the front foot and go right we're going to go at you because otherwise i think they'll just sit and play to their wingers and, and to the two target men yeah and not to mm. play too much on the fear factor but jack they haven't just got a solid well the best defense in the league they've got some decent players going forward haven't they yeah so Jerry Yates, I think, has hit 20 goals for the season now. And they've got a lad on loan from Everton, Elliot Sims, who's, who's popped, I think, eight or nine in. Um, I was reading something that they operate the channels a lot more than a lot of strikers do, um, possibly because they've lost CJ Hamilton, who's out for the season, who's a winger, who's been one of their best players. Um, apparently, Yates and Sims both like to kind of start wide and move central. Um mm. So I think they can play a few different ways. And again, some, talking about their defence, um, one of their fans was saying they've used something like 12 different back fours this season. Um, I know we've we've had a fair few, actually, with Sam Long playing in every position. But that, <laughs> yeah. that goes some way to showing that it's probably their coaching setup that that's helped them a long way into those 37 goals conceded if they can have that much turnover um, and still remain pretty solid. So... Yeah, they're, they're a good side. There's no doubt about it. But I think we come into it on on form and kind of the the upward most you know the upward momentum. So we we've just got to go for it. I think. Yeah, Connor. That's why I'm yeah. kind of hoping that we just the stats kind of go out the window a bit, and it's like it just yeah. becomes more of a one-off game, and we just get yeah. get ahead early, and then they you know have to be play a bit more expansive football. And then we can try and punish them, and hopefully Barker Shadipo actually did really well, didn't he, against Burton? I thought he had a really good game. Obviously, getting a goal after um, quite a long time without one, and then. But do That's you think Barker decision, will come back in? Isn't it? Sorry, gone. So, I think it's, that is a tougher decision than normal, like Shadipo over a possibly not quite fit Barker. Um, mm. yeah. I wouldn't lose too much sleep if Shadipo started. I'm sorry, I've jumped in on Connor's question, but I don't know what others think about that. I think 
I think it depends on the state of Barker. I mean, if Barker's not ready for 90 minutes, then yeah, I think, you know, as, a, as an impact player off the bench, I think Barker would do far more than Shadipo, for example, if it was the other way around. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'm kind of with you, to be honest, John, and that's kind of rich coming from me because I'm not the biggest fan of Shadipo, but I think if, if Barker doesn't start, but you know that he's got 60 minutes in him, or even if you know he's got a solid 45 in him and he'll be able to cause trouble and he comes on and makes an impact, then so be it. But I think Shadipo's, you know, he's obviously scored against... Um, against Burton, had a good game. Um, so he might be feeling quite confident going into it. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, just, just I, I, I think, to be honest with you, when it comes down to the to the, the lineup, I'm not going to lose any sleep because the, the players on the pitch, they know their job. They know what's at stake. They should all be completely riled up for it, especially with 4,000 Oxford fans in the stadium, which they haven't had all season pretty much. You know, it, it doesn't really make much of a difference who's on the pitch. I think, to be honest, they need to be, you know, at the top of their game for 90 minutes and then they need to do it on the Friday as well because it's a massive, massive game, um, or games, plural, um, and, and Blackpool are really tough opponents. And I, and I honestly believe, now you can quote me for this, if it happens, I think if we beat Blackpool, we'll do it. I think we'll go all the way. But I think Blackpool oh. will be the biggest hurdle, I think, because they are they are a very good team. And I think it will be very tough to break them down. But like you say, James, I hope you're right when you just said that I hope the stats go out the window. And I hope the stats go out the window for Blackpool in terms of their defensive record. I hope they just have a complete wobble and we uh, capitalise on it. But we'll have to wait and see, won't we, how it plays out. I think on, with, with with the Barker thing, with the the two games being in four days, I'd if if a fully fit Barker can play 90 in the second leg... And and he can play that ninety because he's only played fifteen in the first leg. I'd take that because if we go to Blackpool either leading or a positive result, then he's a good player to have on the counter. Equally, yeah. if we go to Blackpool needing to chase a game, Barker's a good player to have as a more attacking option than perhaps Shadipo shows. Um, and considering he's missed a couple of games, I don't think either winger will play both games from the start. So it might be Shadipo Tuesday, Barker I think- Friday. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think um, we've said on the pod before, haven't we, as well, about Shadipo being more effective. I think Tony was saying it, but definitely being more effective from the left as yeah. well. Um, so I think that's another thing to take into account. Oh, God. Um, what about right-back situation, John? Like, What would you do? Because H- Hansen came on when um, Schlong, as we like to call him, went off the other day. So do you think it'll be Hansen or do you think um, Ford? I think I would go with Hansen because he's more, he's just going to play the role as a pure defender. The one thing about having Brannigan, Sykes, Henry, Lee, Shadipo and Taylor is that's an incredibly sort of free-flowing like players. It's players that they a lot of them like to kind of float around, come and get the ball. It's not very structured. And I think if you have a fullback who is equally confident going forward in Ford. I think you need to have just a solid do the job functionally fullback in if the rest of the team is so dynamic. But that doesn't mean I think Hansen's like <laughs> I think he's probably the best in in a tight situation really. But yeah. Yeah. I don't I, I guess so. I think it the first leg especially if um it's a case of being solid, I think Hansen's probably a better bet, especially if we're conceding 
you know, we're at risk of conceding set pieces like we were last time. Just there's something yeah. about Hansen. He just doesn't look very comfortable to me as a footballer, which is always... No, and he, and he did get nervous. destroyed by that winger in the Sunderland game, which still... Sunderland, exactly, yeah. ...gives me nightmares. I mean, I've, yeah. I think I've always praised Ford at right back in the past. Um, there's just something about, I think, against Blackpool, they've got... Well, they've also got good wingers. Um, I think we just need to go conservative for that role. Mm. I think Hansen's a better defender than than Ford. I think in terms of like, you know, 1v1 defensively, he's a better player. But um, yeah, I, I think I'd go Hansen as well at right back, to be honest. But I just it's just not going to be that comfortable, is it? No. I mean, if, if they're, they're going to know that he's he's kind of the weak link, I guess. So whether or not they play to that is a different story, but th- we'll just have to wait and see how Blackpool set up and how they come at us. I think it often always, if Hansen's getting done a lot, then it's often dragging a centre-back out of position as well to cover at times. It's That's the fear that I've got. Um, but yeah, I also think with Ford, because James Henry's set pieces have been so good of late, mm-hmm. we, there's no real need to get Ford into the teams from that perspective either, because yeah. we've, we've looked so good from corners and free kicks and stuff. So I think that was a big differential for Ford before, but I think Henry's probably over them anyway at the moment. Um, I imagine yeah, Ford... As much as I love him, he's probably leaving as well at the end of the season. So, Hanson, as we know, has got a ridiculous contract or still has years left on it. So, he kind of there's another sort of soft factor there as well that he still needs to show his worth. Yeah. yeah. Good um, right. Well, I feel a bit sick now. I'm nervous. <laughs> um, it, uh. It's not. I don't like thinking about this, but if you were to pick um, Lincoln or Sunderland, Jack, in a final, what would you? Um... <laughs> I just it's because I, I given how we played, from my perspective, given how we played against Lincoln the other other day, I thought we made them look distinctly average. But and I just have a fear about Sunderland. Uh, um, I think there's too many narratives running alongside both of them. You've got yeah. Headbutt Gate. You've got <laughs> you've got Hutton. You've got just Yeah. Um I don't know. I, I, yeah. I generally I don't know. Um I think we've got a big enough struggle to get through this these two first before even trying to think about who I'd rather play. So uh, Yeah. Does anyone want to answer that? Like, yeah, I I do. Yeah, I do. I I I'd love Sunderland. In the I'd final, love, I'd love Sun. Yeah, I'd love Sunderland in the final. I'd love to beat them one nil with a ninety second minute Matty Taylor finish, and he just runs and just knee slides in front of their bench. That's what I'd absolutely love to happen. Um, and I like it to be a really ratty goal as well, like a proper proper Matty Taylor ratty finish. It'll tap in from like four yards out. <laughs> that would be fantastic. But whether or not that would happen or not, don't think so. But one can dream. John, do you want to build on a ratty goal from Matt Taylor? Well, obviously, I'd, I'd take that. But I think for my everyone's <laughs> everyone's sanity, Lincoln, who are not as accomplished probably as a team as Sunderland, don't have as many big game players, I would so to speak. I just prefer. To, I think we could beat Lincoln and. More, more easily, so to speak, but 
Sunderland would be, yeah, it'd be fantastic to do them. And there's a lot of pressure on Sunderland, obviously, to get out of the league yeah. that they, God forbid, are shouldn't be in. So <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a positive <laughs> that we should think about. Yeah. yeah, Sunderland, the pressure on them would be enormous. Lincoln, it's a kind of a bit, sort of a bit of a free hit but for that moment. I feel like with Lincoln, yeah. though, there's they're not meant to be there. So it reminds me of Wickham in a sense. Like I don't, I don't think I could. I think I could. <laughs> I, losing to yeah. Wickham was so painful. I think Lincoln would feel a little bit like that, given how the season's concluded and how they've really yeah. punched above their weight. But yeah, um, but we we gotta get get past Blackpool. Yeah, let's. Uh... That's, that's that is. Uh, it's going to be no no easy task. I think I've said it many a time already this podcast so i'll shut up but well based Stafford. based i know we, we struggled at home against sunderland didn't we um they beat us 2-0 early on in the season they made us look really average blackpool did obviously the same thing um but i i took a lot of positives from that three was it, it was three one in the end at the stadium of light um and obviously yeah we did a job on lincoln so i, I think i think you're right i think blackpool's obviously going to be really difficult I just hope we have a positive. I hope we're not behind going into Friday. Is like you guys have yeah. said as well. I think that would be a massive task. Um, so yeah, fingers fingers crossed. Yeah, because Bloomfield Road will be rocking as well for them in the. In the How many fans the are they going to get? I don't know. I haven't looked. At I don't them. know, but they'll have at least four thousand as well, won't they? So you know, I, I think I think I think Tuesday is going to be interesting because uh, obviously we're also spread out. Um, you know, there's there's some tickets that are obviously been allocated in in technically the away end, um, so there's going to be noise all the way around the stadium in some capacity on, on Tuesday night, and I I really hope that as the fans have been away for for so long that we you know really get behind the lads because I think they're going to need it. So I'm I'm really looking forward to Tuesday, and I'm sorry for rubbing it in that you boys aren't going, but I'll I'll just video call you t- or something if t- you want. I tell you what, I like I didn't actually see that. I know there was a lot of noise. I actually saw more people complaining about the people complaining than I actually saw people complaining if that makes any sense <laughs> yeah. um uh, but like I, about what just about the ticket allocation and stuff but didn't all yeah. the ticket holders actually end up yeah being- exactly yeah ev- yeah everyone who went at the ballot got a ticket in the end which is f- phenomenal work basically I think it just it, it just took a bit of time like I know that the money came out of the of the bank accounts before some of the tickets were actually allocated or actually given to you. So you kind of had an inkling that you were getting a ticket because the money came out of your account before you actually got the ticket. That's what happened to me anyway. But um, nice. yeah, I think fair play to Oxford because, you know, everyone got a ticket in the end who entered the ballot. So stu- that was good. because there was a stupid kickoff time. Well. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is shit, isn't it? Six o'clock kickoff is a bit ridiculous. Um, I feel sorry for people who are obviously still, you know, still be at work and stuff, and having to rush back. I mean, it's just a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and it's not even just that game either; it's the second leg as well, which is. What time's the second yeah. leg kick off on Friday? Quarter to eight. Six as well, isn't it? Is yeah. it? Oh, is it? Oh, oh, it's later. Yeah. oh okay. Okay, that's much better then. It's yeah. So why can't that be the same? We're the, it's because we're the only game on Friday, whereas it basically. They won't admit it, but Sky have got the League Two leg at quarter past eight, and I want to show them both separately. Ah, there you go. Uh, um, well, I'm full surprised. I don't. I'm not. I'd obviously love to be there, but I'm just. It's going to be amazing hearing fans in the stadium, and not just overdubbed sound and that type of thing. It's gonna. It's gonna even going to be great watching watching along just with the some atmosphere there. Yeah. And how many fans were there for like Northampton? <laughs> yeah. At home, 
2000, wasn't it? If you hear a load of swearing, <laughs> that'll be me. That'll <laughs> be, be Connor. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. Like it even sounded decent when it was Northampton. Like four thousands, not actually too shabby, really, is it? Like, um, I think it'll be it'll be good. I just hope with the distancing, some atmosphere can be generated, and it might be quite yeah, difficult so. with the allocation of seats and stuff. But I well, I think a lot of people. You know, I'm I'm sitting with four other people, so you know, there's going to be little clusters of people. So I think if you know, if if the clusters all start singing at you know at the same time or having a you know, it might it might start to generate a bit of atmosphere. Not everyone sat you know on their own singly. So where does yeah. KR? Sit? I think I think I think it'll be there. Yeah, what clusters KR okay. in? I see in your cluster. I'll, he might. He's well, not that I know of, but it'd be pretty funny if he was. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. You're not assigned, no, a, so. assigned a randomer to join your cluster. Um, <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I am so excited, though. I think it does feel a little bit like a bonus, but it won't feel like that on Tuesday yeah. just before the match yeah. starts, will it? It'll... <laughs> Agreed. It does feel like a bonus because, like you say, we, we, we snuck in on the last day and it's great that we get to watch another two games of football and obviously they have so much at stake on them. But I think you're right, James. I think when, when it actually comes to crunch time and the whistles blow on Tuesday, we're all just going to be nervous wrecks because that's just standard, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, right. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you're going on uh, Tuesday, please get behind the boys, make as much noise as you can. And um, we'll be back, I'm sure, to review how the game's gone. Um, well, maybe actually after both games, given the fact that the next one's on Friday. So yeah, let's hope we're celebrating um get making it to Wembley next time we're on. It feels horrible saying that. God. <laughs> right. Thanks for listening as always. Cheers, chaps, and see you in a bit. Mm-hmm.